Here we go, blast off through the stratosphere, bumping in the club from the front to the rear. A blue moon just singing a tune, it goes... Boom, boom. Human, robotic, it stands psychotic. You want it? We got it. Now we're going to rock it. Come on, y'all. Grab your boogie shoes. Rocking this party till the moon turns blue. Go to the car post to find a girl who could put my mind straight out of the world. Planet to planet and city to city. I never ever seen a girl that pretty. Blue moon now singing a tune. Here I am all up in the room with the doo wop, the boo bop, the shimmy shay shay bop, the diggity bop bop, a digga dang dang. Blue moon. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, folks, and thanks for joining us for the 57th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tonight, I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting a review of this cinematic bomb of astronomical proportions, pun definitely intended. The subject of tonight's pod is the adventures of Pluto Nash. Joining us tonight, as always, are the Thunderous Wizard, calling in from his penthouse suite at the Lunar Grand Casino. Boss, I'm recharged and ready to go. It's me, Randy Quaid. Oh, Bruno. <laughs> and fresh from trolling the back alleys of Moon Beach for questionable company is none other than Captain Cash. I would like to be referred to as Rex Crater for the remaining of the pod. Fair Rex enough, Rex. Crater. That's fair. Fair yeah. enough. All right. Uh, so, hey, do your, uh, do your thing, fellas. Give us the uh, shameless social media plugs. Okay. Uh, you can find... Hops and Box Office Flops on uh, Twitter and Facebook at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself uh, in a dark room sobbing in a corner because at one point in time I thought this movie was good. What is in fact wrong with me? I don't know. But lessons need to be learned and soon. And you can find me at, at WriterTLK on Twitter. Captain Cash, what about you? You can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Uh, yeah, I have some questions about my own personality, too, if at any point I thought this was a good film. So I, maybe it's healthy to have that sort of crisis. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I, I distinctly remember thinking, oh, man, Randy Quaid was good in this. He's not. I find it funny that I had never seen this movie myself, but I was familiar with it because of the thunderous wizards comments like, oh yeah pluto nash it's not that bad a lot of people say it's the worst movie ever but no it's actually pretty funny Z- so i kind of thought it was like a cult hit type thing that had an audience and people liked it but that's just pure anecdotal you know take coming from conversations with the thunderous wizard i was so the i got to ex- yeah apparently this <laughs> that, was meant for you because i saw it i looked into the in the background of the movie and researched it a bit for the pod uh, yeah, it's terrible, and there's almost no redeeming qualities to it, like zero. None. Like, we do these movies a lot with that fail, and uh, sometimes they deserve to. Yeah, this was uh, borderline unwatchable, but uh, that brings me to our next order of business, beer. Um, you're going to need it for this movie. A lot. So the it. beer, <laughs> yeah, 
the beer for tonight's pod is New Belgium's Voodoo Ranger Starship IPA. It's your standard IPA with a hoppy citrus flavor profile, and it checks in at a hefty 7.7 ABV, which uh, is pretty needed for this movie. And uh, yeah, on that note, I will crack one. Or 15. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> that begs the question, how many beers did you need to get through this movie? For me, this was easily a six-beer movie and a couple of mouth-mixed martinis. Uh, yeah, you won't, you won't get through this hour and 36 minutes of film without pounding at least five to six beers. It is laughably bad. I, so here's my thing. You could drink no beers and have almost the same effect as if you drank six because this movie is so bad it almost creates a black hole in your memory of what did I watch? But I feel like you'd have a more enjoyable time getting drunk. So take the six beers. And I did, when I was doing like my modicum of research about how this could have possibly been as bad as it was, I found a drinking game online and it had levels to it. Like, if you want to be okay while doing this, here's the beginner level. Here's the intermediate level. Here's the level that you will die. Wow. So I'll have to share that. But it's like, boy, this would be intense. Again, I'd like to remind the, the listeners to, you know, imbibe responsibly, but feel free to, you know, push your limits a bit with this one. You're going to need it. I mean, it's borderline unwatchable. I, I was commenting before. Uh, uh, we started the pod that I tried to watch this like three times and at various points I just wandered off to do other things and forgot that I was trying to watch it and not like intentionally stopped watching I just got distracted and went and did things and I was like oh yeah I should probably try to get this movie finished that's what I mean about that through. black hole of memory yeah exactly you're kind of no. like, your brain your brain doesn't accept this film it's just like nothing yeah I can't yeah, and the best way I can describe it, it's like Plan 9 from Outer Space, except devoid of charm and humor, okay. unintentional or otherwise. Here's, like, it's like, this is painfully, this movie is painfully unfunny. Here's what I'll say. You could drink three beers during the movie, and then you could drink three more beers, essentially pondering to yourself what, how this ended up getting released after it sat on a shelf multiple years because the studio knew it was terrible. Yeah. Uh, why Eddie Murphy signed on to do it. And I think that's it. There's there's yeah. other things certainly to be thought about. But everyone involved, you could say, huh, you read the script and you consciously made the choice to do this. Yeah, I would argue the only person that quote unquote needed this movie was uh, Rosario Dawson. Yeah, I mean, she was early in her she career. She was pretty this early was shot in This would have been a big deal for her. Yeah. And we'll get to this, and, and, and it'll lead us to our next points here. But, yeah, you're going to recognize a lot of the cast in this movie, and it's a lot of people that you recognize uh, that are still working actors today. Uh, uh, and a and lot of people that should have known better. Should have known better, yeah. Um, it's it's kind of weird because, yeah, this movie's a train wreck from the start. So, okay. As we've pointed out, guys, The Adventures of Pluto Nash is a notorious, notorious bomb and just known for being a complete disaster of a movie uh, and being one of the biggest financial flops of all time. In fact, upon its release, it was the biggest flop in the history of Hollywood. 
um, the script for what would become this turd was first written all the way back in 1985. Remind you, this movie was released in 2002. So this script had been sitting around since 1985 and was reworked dozens of times. Um, and finally, they started to film the movie in 2000. Okay, so the movie initially had a budget of 80 million, but after some abysmal feedback from their test screenings, Castle Rock, who was developing it on behalf of WB at the time, pulled it from the spring 2001 release schedule and dumped another 20 to 30 million dollars into reshoots to try to fix whatever was wrong with it, you know, that was picked up in those test screenings. Okay. So now, now the budget has ballooned to over a hundred million dollars, pushing 110. Okay. So following those resh- uh, the reshoots, it's alleged that the work print of the movie was three hours long. Okay. That's a lot of footage. Oh, um, good so they, Lord. Yeah. So <laughs> they brought in Oscar winning editor, uh, Alan Heim, who won his Oscar for editing all that jazz uh, back in the 70s. So he was brought in to salvage the movie. He looked at that three-hour cut and determined that there was still a lot of stuff that wasn't usable and that we're going to need more reshoots. So at this point, Eddie Murphy allegedly financed most of these uh, second round of reshoots himself, acting as the, the writer and director for the scenes as well. So for whatever reason, Eddie Murphy really wanted this thing to come out. Like he dumped his own money into making this happen with the second round of reshoots. Anyway, and just, allegedly I, Murphy I did not get along with the director at all. They clashed during principal photography and it sounds like Eddie Murphy got his way. It sounds like the studio backed Eddie Murphy over the director. Say what you will there. But speaking of the director, this movie was directed by Ron Underwood of Tremors, Mighty Joe Young, and City Slickers fame. So this was a legit director. This guy had done good work. This, he wasn't just some guy that Eddie Murphy I mean, was able, should have been able to bully over, but whatever. Okay, this movie killed his career. I mean, has after, he done anything since? No, after, after Pluto Nash crashed and burned, he was relegated to TV movies and had one more shot at Hollywood in 2005. He directed In the Mix... Uh, that's an Usher movie, and it was a flop, but it did make $3 million more than Pluto Nash. So, so, so it made a total of $4 million. <laughs> About 10 because The Adventures of Pluto Nash was finally released on August 16th, 2002, with an all-in budget, including oh marketing, goodness. of around $160 million. And its lifetime global box office gross was just $7.1 million. Which is amazing to me because this movie looks so cheap the entire time. It looks it's very they, cheap. They, I think they shot most of it three times. Yeah. So uh, if you compared this to Total Recall, which came out in what? 1990? Yeah. That's also set on... You know, it's set on off world, off world, so set on Mars. on Mars. Yeah, that looks leaps and bounds better than this movie. And as I was watching it, I, I wasn't put in mind of Total Recall. What I was put in mind of was Fifth Element, oh, where that's it's fair too. Yeah, like yeah, you think about cyberpunk is this sort of semi near future. Everything's dirty and gritty, and lots of stuff is in Japanese. This is more like plastic punk. 
it, where it was like was really shiny and colorful, but still sort of grimy. It's it's Gotham. It was like uh, in it was, Batman Forever. Yeah, no, it was like it's like it's like the Sesame Street version of Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the poor director's career was not the only casualty here. At the time, Castle Rock, who produced the movie, was a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. And after the movie bombed, Castle Rock was absorbed uh, by WB, losing their physical production offices and their PR department. And uh, that resulted in the layoff of 16 of their 46 employees. So, like, this had big ramifications for the studio. And the movie was also financially backed by Village Roadshow. Uh, They were riding high after realizing massive profits from the Matrix movies. But a combination of poor financial performances from this movie and movies like Dreamcatcher and Eight-Legged Freaks cut their Matrix money in half. They lost half of their Matrix money on cruddy movies. And a big part of it was Pluto Nash. I'd also like to point out right now that Dreamcatcher is an excellent movie. And we should definitely do a pod on that because I enjoy that movie thoroughly. Also, Eight-Legged Freaks wasn't terrible. It was a dumb horror movie with yeah. giant spiders. What, what did you I want? I guess it didn't make any money. I mean, I think the, that movie wasn't meant to be serious, so yeah. I you know, can't blame it for being kind of goofy, but yeah, I guess it didn't have an audience. Anyway, so yeah, this movie is infamous for being just an abject disaster from start to finish. It's rated 4% on Rotten Tomatoes and 12% on Metacritic, and I would argue that is too high. Yep. Like, yep. this should be a zero. Um, so that brings us to the cast. Okay. Uh, this was clearly an Eddie Murphy vehicle, like so many movies were in the 80s and 90s. I mean, he was riding so, high on Nutty Professor, amongst other things, in yeah. 2000. I, yep, no. I would say, though, that 1980s Eddie Murphy, when he was like king of the world, and he had Coming to America in 48 Hours and Trading Places. Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly yeah. Hills Cop. That Eddie Murphy, and then into the 90s Eddie Murphy, where you have, like, Boomerang and... Uh, Bowfinger. Bowfinger, the uh, and a, a Vampire in Brooklyn. They're not the same Eddie Murphy. Like, his trajectory was... Nutty Professor and Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. Well, he, he, well, he just started... He, he went the family-friendly route and started right. cashing checks. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll come to that later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did this for the money. He's freely admitted he's, he's he literally just did this one for the money. I Which question again, that, what though. money where? Yeah, this how much did so he get expensive. paid if he had I, to I mean, then sink I, more money into it? I mean, I, I don't. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Um, okay, so the cast here. Obviously, you've got Eddie. I'm just in it for the money. Murphy is the titular Pluto Nash and spoilers, Rex Crater. Uh, dun, you got dun, dun. oh, dude, you just ruined the movie. <laughs> Oh, dang it. Yeah, the, the most, and that literally, the movie did not really need that twist at all, but regardless. And Rosario, I'm just paying my dues. Dawson is Dina Lake, a fledgling singer from Salt Lake City and Pluto's love interest. Question but also mark? old enough to be his daughter or yeah. young enough to be his daughter. Uh, yes. But, they, they, but it's, is it, is she a love interest? Is that an angle? Yeah. It's implied. Because when I, he kisses her at uh, the club. Uh, Jay Moore's like singing lounge. She gets all googly eyed. Yeah, but I, I anyway, I'll, I'll come back to that. Listen, it is the male lead and the female lead of a Hollywood production in 2000. Yes, of course, there is romance there. See also Neo in Trinity in The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and then we have Randy Quaid in a role that likely triggered his downward mental health spiral 
as Bruno, Pluto's robot bodyguard. My question uh, there is, do you feel like that unlocked something or it broke something? It broke something. There's clearly a moment in this movie where his brain, brain is broken, like irrevocably. And I think it's debatable as to which moment that is. So I'd be curious what you guys thought. But I'm clearly going when he's getting his like his chip charged and he wakes up. He's like, where's the boss? And it's like, yep. At this point, his soul has eaten itself and shat it back out. Uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this moment to say that there's one moment in this movie that I thought had some weight to it in in a vacuum, not in the context of the movie, but in a vacuum. The scene of Randy Quaid dragging the bodies of Pluto and Dina with Earth, you know, in the background, you know, when they're on the the, the lunar surface or whatever. Yeah. And they've passed out from lack of oxygen, and he's trying to soldier on, even though his feelings are hurt because he realizes that there's some weird, like, bromance angle they try to work in the movie. But he soldiers on and tries to get them to safety as best as he can. And there's, like, again, it's kind of like the mist, right? There's a bleak movie that ends that way, and it's poignant while they stare at Earth. But in this movie, it's completely meaningless and just, I, I couldn't, I was like, that, that would be cool in different contexts. Well, the movie would be remembered a lot more fondly if Pluto bit the big one in the middle, yeah. in the middle of the moon uh, as Randy uh, Quaid dragged his lifeless corpse across. Yeah. And then we've got Jay. Remember when I tried to be a thing more as Anthony Frankowski slash Tony Francis as a polka slash lounge singer and longtime friend of Pluto. You've got Bert Pauly Young as Gino. A generic mobster goon. He's the only one with enough sense to get the hell out of there after his only scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in the only I mean, scene. For my music. five minutes, I collected my paycheck. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, on to film Rocky Three. Um, or at that point, was that, that Rocky? What, next Rocky movie? No, that's done. He's in Rocky when did, Six. So. When did, oh, so okay. When did Five come out? That doesn't matter. Uh, like ninety. 95, 96, whatever yeah, time was, Morrison yeah. was, a, was like a legit heavyweight thing. So, Yeah, late 90s, mid to late 90s, not yeah. the 2000s. Okay, yeah, sorry. So, yeah. Anyway, and then we've got uh, Joey Pants as the peroxide blonde Morgan, one of Crater's goons. And shout out to Joey Pants. Get well, buddy. Um, we're all thinking of you. Uh, and then we've got Victor Verando as Kelp, the albino Crater henchman. Um, I, I thought I recognized that guy from something. You yeah, he's a stand-up comedian <clears throat> from End of Days. End of Days, yeah, yeah. But he, he's a he's a stand-up comedian. I think I've seen some of his stand-up stuff, maybe like way back in the day on Comedy Central. Um, and fun fact, he's legally blind. Huh? Who Wait, knew? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I could yeah, never it, have guessed that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah weird. Uh, he, he shot that rocket pretty well for being legally blind. But anyway, okay. Uh, Explains going on. why then, he chose to do the movie. He didn't read the script. <laughs> he, he couldn't read the script. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't think that they put this into Braille. I'm just gonna say I don't. I don't. I don't think that happened. <laughs> That's not part of the 160 million dollars it cost to make this. Pilot yeah, you think you think that would have covered it, but uh, that would have pushed it to like 170 easy. Um, and then we've got Miguel A. A.K.A. D.J. Nunez Jr. as Miguel. Very clever. Another one. Yeah, very clever. One of Pluto's pals. Yeah. Peter Boyle as Roland, a retired moon cop. 
Is anyone slumming it here harder than Peter Boyle? This is, yeah, this is not a great piece of Peter Boyle's immaculate resume. I mean, I'd, I'd like to make some sort of like young Frankenstein joke here or something, but I, I just, yeah, I, I just felt like he, that, as far as phoning it in goes, I think you could tell he was just kind of phoning it. He didn't know what he was saying. He's just reading stuff off of a cue card in the background. Like, did the check clear? Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, and then we got Pam. I guess this is less demeaning than Escape from L.A. Greer as Flora Nash, Pluto's mom. No. This... Yeah, were it not for Escape from L.A., I don't know that anyone is slimming harder than Pam Greer. Escape from L.A., as bad as it is, does not even approach this movie. I Well, but, it, but I think her role in that movie yeah. was... It, 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 Hershey that Bumps, might be the... Las Palmas. I mean, the fact that they, what they do with her voice and the whole, I don't know, it's a, the whole that know, has to certainly transphobic be angle of it. Yes, exactly. I, I'm, I, you know, anyway, we'll get to it, but yeah, she, she, she does okay. Um, and then That's we got, mom. I, I love this. We got James, the hard ass guy from every movie, uh, Rebel Horn as Belcher, another one of Crater's lieutenants. And they got Louise Guzman as the mildly racist Felix Lagara. Like, I like how they got that casual racism into this movie. Like it, like yeah, way to go, guys. The only Good. person that Good. makes googly eyes at Pluto Nash harder than Rosario Dawson's character is Luis Guzman. Yeah, and I'm saving the best for last year. And last but not least, John Cleese clearly slumming it as the in-car AI James. Nobody was happier to be blown up than John Cleese. Like, thank God my time in this film is over. But, but hold on, but he tries to rat them out before he goes. Hold on, I have information about the people that you're chasing. Uh, well, what? yeah, I mean, by that Thanks. point, we all oh, wanted right. we all wanted Pluto Nash dead by that point. <laughs> wasn't just well, anyway, that crater. So, so whatever has to happen. I, 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 you know, I'll just go uh, on the record and say here that it, barring Escape from L.A., which might be worse uh, for Pam Greer, I think it's fair to say this movie is a career low point for everyone involved do you guys agree again i well rosario dawson was in rent but other than that yeah i will give you five hundred twenty nine thousand six hundred reasons why rent is better than pluto nash i can (laughs) sing them if need be please do yes we would love to hear that i i if you're going to throw down that gauntlet, what have you got? 529,600 reasons that Pluto Nash will sit you down and shit on your chest. <laughs> that costs an extra 50 bucks in Thailand. That's true. Um, okay. Uh, so, on to the one-line descriptions of this film. Uh, IMDB describes this movie as follows. In the future a man struggles to keep his lunar nightclub out of the hands of the mafia. I, 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 that's technically correct, although I yeah. don't... It's not clear that it's the mafia. It's like more like some moon gang. Uh, I, I don't know. But anyway, um, Mr. Wizard, how would you describe this film in one sentence? The movie about a group of people on the moon that the collective cast would prefer you forget forever. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, yeah. And that brings us to you, Captain Cash. What do you got? What if the fifth element, but bad? 
Mm, okay, okay. Uh, all right, so we, here's mine. We are all the taxi, uh, the pedicab driver robot who gets tipped over and is just cycling into the abyss, just cycling aimlessly, not going yeah. anywhere. That is all of us watching this movie. You know, I, I feel like that's like a Blade Runner reference. Like, what would we do? Would we help the the, the, the cab over. driver? We flip him over? Yeah. Right. Anyway, okay. So, all right. So here's my one sentence description. Eddie Murphy stars in an ill-fated lunar-based sidequel to 1990s Total Recall, bookended by a wholly unnecessary side plot involving Jay Moore's lounge singing career. And I, just, I like. There, there are so many movies that we have done. This is our fifty seventh. Yes. That, you know, maybe they fail for one reason or another, but there's some redeeming quality somewhere in here. This feels like the first one where it, <laughs> like, it's not just bad; it's boring and it's bad. It, it's bafflingly bad. Here's what I'll say: I'll, I'll harken back to our last pod about Dante's Peak and what Mary McCheese said. He said the only thing that holds the front end of this movie to the ass end of this movie is how hot Pierce Brosnan, how hot Pierce Brosnan is, whatever Harry Dalton. Handsome That's the Harry. thing about this movie. There is nothing that holds this thing together at any point. Like the Jay Moore thing doesn't really matter or make sense. The whole thing with with the clone and the Rex Crater doesn't really make sense. It just uh, his mom doesn't make none of it. It doesn't. It's like. There's things I recognize. They're like angles and plot devices they attempt to use and like some cliche movie stuff, but none of it, it doesn't like it's like jello, but it didn't set. For, like it's still it's still liquid the next day. Yeah, you know, it, it didn't it, it is never a came together. Of a film. Which is why, for argument's sake, I feel like should we lobby for the underwood cut of the movie? I want to see all three hours of the factory cut of Pluto Nash. I want to know what was cut out of this yeah. movie. There are deleted scenes online. I didn't have... I just I couldn't bring myself to watch more of it today. But there are deleted scenes online. Honestly, I, this this has my vote as the shit movie of all time. Yes, and I, I was going to raise that point. I, I think this is just... It's so bad. That is something I wanted to ask toward the end of the pod. But I do think... Uh, I don't know if there's a one of us that is willing to try and defend it. I, I so can't. it it has uh, to be the champion. Uh, it, this yeah, this is definitely the. I mean, as far as big budget Hollywood movies go, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. This is worse than The Room, hands down, because The Room is unintentionally funny. This movie is not funny, intentional or otherwise. As I said previously, it's, it's just a, that bad. It's a train wreck. Yeah, I mean, you think so, about so wait, Cats, so, which might be the the insanest movie we watch. But I could at least have a fun time with how insane yeah, this yeah. was. Uh, this was just was... kind of, I've seen all of this before and done better, and none of it hangs together. It just, yeah. Cats ah. is entertaining in ways this movie is not. And back yes. to the, the Underwood cut, if the footage was deemed so bad, none of it was usable, and they cut all this stuff out, and this was the usable footage. Imagine what was spending. There? Nine weeks of your life shooting this, and then seeing the first cut, like, oh, oh shit, oh no, what did we do? What have I done? What have I done? Okay, so here we're up to the uh, light plot reflection uh, portion of the pod. 
would you would you like to take that on, Captain Cash? Or yeah. I'm, will, I'm willing to do it if you don't want to. Yeah, no, no, I got it. I'd, I'd be more than happy to blow through this in like 30 seconds. Let's see. I'll let you do your thing. You power down like Randy Quaid's Bruno and just refuse to be recharged. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the setting for this movie is, was it 2087? So we're set a good, wow. Sorry, no, I, I just put that together. This is only set like 60 years from now. Well, yeah, but at the time it was filmed in two thousand. Yeah, so, so eighty-seven years in the future at the time. I, of I think it, I think it's I think it's eighty. I think the movie actually opens in two thousand and eighty, and then we yes, quickly then, jump to two thousand eighty-seven. Which again, why? Well, fun fact: that was one of the added things. It it it, it started without that opening scene. That, that is a reshoot. That, that whole scene opening scene seven useless. years before the main timeline, that's an added scene. Oh, poor it actually Bert just Young. started. It just started with Pluto running the club. They decided to add the the prequel portion. Wolf, or the okay. prologue. Yes. Anyway, can, Yeah. So if I mean, you spend more opens, than a minute on this, I'm gonna be very disappointed in you, yeah. Captain. It Nash. opens on the moon. <laughs> Eddie Murphy is Pluto Nash. He owns a club on the moon called Club Pluto. Into this comes Rosario Dawson, a daughter of a friend who needs money for transport back to Earth. She's looking for a job as a lounge singer. He gives her a job as a waitress. Uh, the mob tries to buy his club from him. He refuses to sell, and then they blow up his club. And at that point, we're in sort of a, a race to find out what's going on. Rex Crater is responsible for this, except nobody knows who Rex Crater is. He's the leader of this mob group. Uh, so they're on the run. They run to a bunch of different places, including a place that involves human cloning, uh, until they eventually get to this nightclub with Rex Crater. And as it turns out, Rex Crater is actually a clone of Pluto Nash. There is a fight uh, where they do the classic, I'm not, I'm, I'm Rex. No, I'm Rex. Shoot him. Uh, and Pluto manages to trick the guards into shooting Rex Crater. Uh, and then he takes over, and uh, everybody lives happily ever after. This, like, there's other stuff that happens, but... I, I think you missed mostly... a couple of important things. Uh, Peter Boyle, which is uh, Pluto's mom's ex-lover, is murdered. That's when they know Rex is playing for keeps. Uh, Joey Pants wears a wig, a bad wig, the entire movie. Like, real uh, bad. For no good reason at all to have that wig. Uh, no... <laughs> Because '90s, this movie, this movie had such a '90s aesthetic in it. Yeah, um, it's even it's even worse. I'll just contrast it here because there's nightclub stuff in this in this movie and like party people crap and the costumes are horrible. Considering that you got Joey Pants that was in the Matrix that did some of the same things, and that movie has such a iconic, albeit a little bit generic aesthetic. Yet this movie just looks like hot garbage, and it's like it's really weird to think that this actually came out after the first Matrix movie. I, like, I also they, they don't feel like they should be side by side. This feels no, like it's like campy crap. I also want to point out that this is I think the second movie we've done where an entire dance floor of people inexplicably have a choreographed dance at Pluto's Club. They're all doing a dance together in unison, just like the prom in She's All That. I have no idea why. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mac and Me. No, we have, we have not done Mac and Me. Oh, boy. Did Although, that bomb? 
I'm sure it did, and that would certainly give this a run for its money because that is a strange, strange film to say the least. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on with Mac. I'm talking about the guys, uh, listeners, for those folks who don't know, guys and gals. There is a impromptu dancing in the McDonald's. Yes, there is. And yeah. what might be the most shameless product placement in a Hollywood film outside of uh, Wayne's World? Do you think uh, that I've ever seen regrets that one? <laughs> no, not for a second. Not for a second. That 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 sold so many small fries and the mini cones that they're no. Do you they're, think they're, totally they're upset that chicken their, nuggets? Their script for the sequel, Big Mac and Me, wasn't picked up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I've seen that on Pornhub. Oh no, <laughs> that's Wait, the, that, was that a different movie? That's the COVID nineteen meme guy, <laughs> Big Mac and Me. <laughs> Oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. I uh, I read an article about him. He um, died. Yeah. Yeah. He had after watching a, Pluto Nash. So. Yeah, he kind of had sad, he kind of sad Be and careful. tragic backstory. Uh, poor yeah. dude. Just, Anyways. But anyway, yeah. Moving on. I, I pour pour one out for Giant Dog Guy and pour one out for Mr. Hands. Um, and for Peter Boyle, who passed away yeah. a few years back. Yeah, hey, and Joey Pants, man. Hey, get better, brother. Yeah, for yeah. if you don't know, Joey Pants got hit by a car walking through his neighborhood. Like yesterday. Uh, and I cannot confirm or deny whether that was Captain Cash after watching this movie. Listen, I, I don't hold any will toward Joey Pants. No. Joey Pants. This isn't his fault. This And it wasn't Captain Cash. I bet it was his twin, his clone twin, oh, Rex yeah. Crater. That's right. It might have been Rex Crater. Yep. Cash Crater did it. Okay, so I've got some notes on watching this movie because I took notes for the first 20 minutes and then <laughs> I stopped caring. Um, at the four-minute mark, Eddie Murphy gives us a pretty good review of the film when he says, it's horrible, it's horrible. So four minutes in, Eddie Murphy warns us as to what is to come. Okay, and then within the first five minutes of this movie, which is set seven years before the main timeline of the film, like, what is this movie supposed to be about? Is it about Jay Moore's singing career, a dive bar in space, the lunar mob? They all end up being kind of true, but it's it's really tough to tell what you're watching. Like, it's not explained real well. It's not really tied together. It's just kind of like, all right. And that was the reshot exposition they gave us to try to explain the rest of the movie. That's what's baffling. I didn't know that on the front end. I know it now. But on the front end, it didn't make any sense. And then when I found out that was supposed to be what helps me understand the rest of the movie, it doesn't. It, it, Jay Moore doesn't show up to like the last twenty minutes of the film. It would have made it would have made so much more sense if Jay Moore was Rex Crater. Yes. Yeah. Or like you know like because he's the he's the one person you see yes. at the, in the first five minutes of the film that you don't see again till the end. Like somehow so, they had a falling out. He never yeah. gave Pluto the credit for helping launch his career, whatever. But at yep. least it ties the front end and the back end of the movie together. You don't have to even make it that complicated. Yeah. You just have him be, I'm the lounge singer, and I run the clubs. Like, or you, I'm both. you took this club from me. It's rightfully mine. I want it back. Whatever. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing makes no sense at all. The fact okay. that, that Rex Crater even wants the club when he owns a string of the most successful casinos on the planet and is already filthy rich and lives in a penthouse that nobody can get to, that makes no sense because where Pluto's club is is kind of a shithole. 
Well, and, and that it, it's just the standard Lex Luthor real estate villain plot. It's yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Don't think about it too hard. So <laughs> also, true. I'd like to point out that at the five minute and 29 second mark, we get a cameo from the stank water from Dante's Peak. You know, he water tap waters brown at uh, Jay Moore's shitty club. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I wonder um, if there was a volcano up there. That's an unexplored A volcano on the moon. Lunar volcano. So then we flash forward. um, Apparently, Rosario Dawson's moon card expired. My moon card expired. Uh, That's supposed to mean something. I I just, that that line really stuck out to me. It's just garbage. You know, what the hell is a moon card? And here's one of my biggest gripes about the movie for like the 20 minutes I tried to care about it. When. Uh, Dina, Rosario Dawson's character, introduces herself to Pluto and introduces her father, saying, hey, yeah, you you don't know me, but you do. You know my dad. He doesn't recognize her dad's full name, but he recognizes his gangster name. She's like, oh, well, Nikki Sticks. Okay. Hold up, though. Earlier in the movie, back to the the prologue portion, when he's dealing with the gangster seven years ago and they're getting ready to murder Jay Moore— he knows the Italian gangster's full name. He's like, oh, yeah, Joey Cheesecake or whatever. And he was just some dude he did time with and played cards with in the joint. This guy, Rosario Dawson's dad, Dina's dad, Nicky Sticks, is supposed to be his buddy that they got into stuff together and had like a relationship with outside of jail. But yet he didn't know his full name. He knows the Italian gangster he met in jail's full name. He doesn't know his buddy from the underworld's full name. It doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense. It's just so inconsistent. That kind of thing breaks my brain. There's a lot this of... This is the microcosm of this that, movie. Uh, yeah, I'm like... None of it makes any sense. It, the dialogue just doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Okay, moving on. And then... Okay, this movie has some things in it that I found... I did find kind of shocking. There are some accurate future predictions in here. Simpson style. We've got Hillary Bucks. Okay, we've got to talk about the Hillary Bucks. The only thing that tells me is Pluto Nash is not the darkest timeline. <laughs> right. There so is I a thought that was... Trump realty sign as well. So I yeah. couldn't find it. I read that online, yeah, but I could so not spot technically, it. Technically, I guess it isn't the darkest timeline because in that timeline, Trump just kept shilling shitty real estate. Yeah, <laughs> lunar condos. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, you definitely get a Me Too uh, moment from uh, Dina because when she's told to go head up to Eddie Murphy's office or upstairs, she's like, wait, yeah. hold on. Is this, is this, is this the thing for the new girls? And like, no, no, no. He's not like that. Completely yeah. acknowledging the Hollywood casting couch, you know, stuff that we all know is goes on. Yeah. So th- I thought that was relatively progressive. Um, you've got, you got video calls, you got FaceTime basically. Uh, Bruno is kind of like, you know, having an Alexa, you know, he, listen, you if know, my Alexa could, you know, jog at a light pace and beat the shit out of people <laughs> and, and dual wield laser pistols. Yeah. 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 And carry like guns that are comically large. Uh, I, I, I thought it was again, kind of in the darker timeline, uh, vein of things. I believe at some point Pluto makes reference to a biometric surveillance state. Yeah. Basically saying we've got biometric cameras taking pictures of us all the time. Like everywhere. There's no, there's no hiding anymore. Um, which again, course, that it, never it just, pans out at all. Well, that between that and the, the cloning and the body modification stuff. And there, there is, there's a cyberpunk angle. There's a movie in here that might've not sucked. 
Um, if it had decided what it actually wanted to be, is it an action movie? Is it a comedy? Is it whatever? Because well, it's I, awfully dark for a comedy. Well, and like, I'm just saying, there's a lot of like hard of sci-fi, <laughs> dystopian, cyberpunk themes that they mention, but they do nothing with. Yeah. Um, so that, but yeah, that's that's something here. Uh, hey, uh, you got John Cleese is basically car play, right? You know, you got a, a virtual assistant in your car. All right. And uh, uh, yeah, and that billboard, I couldn't, I didn't see it. I don't know what I, I looked. I went it's back to right birth. after they carjack John so Cleese. It's on their way out of town. Uh, ah, yeah. okay. I, I tried to find. I see. I think I was trying to watch the into town part, not the out of town. I think the thing that bugs me most is yeah, it like the Hillary thing is like sort of like oh, this is kind of funny, right? And uh, predictive. Uh, but most of this, they just rip off from better sci-fi movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I mentioned this earlier, but Eddie Murphy and Rosario Dawson's chemistry is just non-existent in this movie. Yeah, it's like, better than a Brosnan and Hamilton's it, because it, Eddie's Eddie, even though he's sort of phoning it in, he's naturally pretty witty and charming. Uh, he at least isn't uh, a Gina Davis in this movie. Here's the thing. Eddie Murphy has gone on the record and said, as far as his movies go, this film is probably the most accurate portrayal of his real self in terms of the character and the way he acts and behaves. So I see, I I, kind of get that. I, you know, yeah, I'm going to say he phoned this in, but I will also say that I think in defense, he seemed very comfortable. He seemed very very comfortable. comfortable in this role. Now, that being said, I don't think Rosario Dawson, was very comfortable in this movie. In fact, I got bad vibes from her. I think she felt uncomfortable in some of those scenes with Eddie Murphy. Like I didn't see the chemistry there. I saw her being kind of like, I'm not cool with this. They're paying me to do this. I'm supposed to be like rubbing elbows with Eddie Murphy here, but I don't think she was into it. Like I I don't, Linda Hamilton was just flat. Her character is just, is is a stereotypical representation of a, leading female role she's helpless she can't do anything without this guy and without him she's she's sunk but but yeah and that's the thing she does nothing in this movie yeah she she there's no reason for even her to be there no and i I, I, I get it she's she okay well she's a knockout so you know she's there to, to to be you know eye candy to a certain degree and that's literally all they use her for Oh, yeah. I mean, she's in trouble from the word jump, and her story connects not at all to the plot. No, it, it just, other than the, you know, it, it, yeah, but my point is, again, I, I think I saw her be physically uncomfortable in some of the scenes. And the movie That's my opinion. I don't think, I don't think she was having sense, a good time so. making this movie. Because she had just really gotten there, and she's like, oh, my moon card's expired. It's like, so how long does a moon card last? Like six and a half what the days? Fuck's, what the fuck's a moon card? Well, I get it. It's like a visa or something, but you'll never get you know, it or if you don't know. Passport, whatever. I got mine last week. I'll be on the get moon. your ass to Mars. That's all I got to say. I'll be on the moon shortly. Yeah, I, I thought this was some of the, the worst chemistry I think I've ever seen. Uh, he didn't really have anyone to play off of because she's a really flat, uninteresting character, and that's not her fault. Uh, and Randy Quaid is supposed to be. Is deliberately a horrific. Yeah, he's yeah, a that was a dick. 
And but but the, but they they try to play up that bromance. Anyway. Well, he's a robot who's essentially a sex addict because the running joke with him is he's constantly ogling women. Robot women. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, I, but 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 there's also bromance thing. He's also jealous of Dina. Like Bruno is doesn't like the fact that. Why are you leaving me, boss? What do you mean? We always do stuff together. There's like a whole friendship angle they tried to work, and it's like, I, I, I and the happiness chip. Oh, he's got a happiness chip. He's fine. Clearly, he does it. That that robot is having feelings. Yeah, and Bruno. Like, what the fuck? To be fair, Bruno's constantly in fear that he's going to be, you know, put out to pasture. And yeah, Bruno makes fun of him for being outdated. Model, that, so. That, that's the closest thing to a running joke in this movie is making fun of him for being oh, you've uh, got you know, a an old model. Yeah. As if that means anything. Do, do we ever see like a 67 or a 70? Or, I guess you got those robot guards that work for Crater, but they, they're just dudes in suits of shaved. They don't look any different. You can't tell that they're different. They don't do anything different. They don't like run faster or turn into Terminators or anything. They get smoked just like ah, whatever. We've already thought about this movie more than I think the people that made it thought about they it. They actually, yep. <laughs> uh, they aim worse, apparently, because Bruno's deadly accurate. <laughs> yeah, he, he's dead-eyed dinky. That's the fact. Okay, so I've got some questions about this movie, all right? Uh, no, actually, I just have one. What the fuck? And I just mean, like, what the fuck? Why did Warner Brothers and Castle Rock keep dumping money into this movie? Why? There's no way to fix this. You just fucking bury it under the goddamn like back lot and call it a day. And say you put it with all the other Sega or the the Atari ET game cartridges, whatever that landfill is. That's where this belongs. Uh, Eighty million dollars into this, you say fuck it. Nope. This is certainly a candidate "Ah." for just leaving it on the shelf. There's been better movies that have sat on a shelf for multiple years. This, and 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 they're just stuck there. Uh, cuts of movies that are are done and complete that we've all heard about, uh, like Louis Leterrier's cut of the Hulk, which obviously we'll never see. But like, there was no reason not to just eat your losses. And if they had, they would have saved themselves eighty million dollars. Yes, and 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 jobs and livelihoods. Uh, okay, so anyway, um, so that brings me to my next question here. Normally, I'd be like, what's your favorite scene or what's the best scene in this movie? That doesn't apply here, guys. Um, I want to know, what was your worst scene, line, or joke? Because this whole movie sucks just on an absolute level. And the action, if you even want to call it action, is beyond bad. None of the humor works, period. It just, It's just bad. So what are your picks for the worst scene line or joke in the movie the worst the worst scene in this yeah. entire film is the climax where it's revealed that rex crater is actually a pluto nash clone because it means nothing it means nothing at all like it's built as this ha reveal but why do we care and then the chemistry eddie murphy has with himself might actually be the worst chemistry in this entire movie. No, wait, I'll, I'll even ask a better question. Not why do we care? Because we don't care at this point. The bigger problem I have is why does it matter? Yeah. How is being a clone important? 
Where's the Chekhov's gun that that pays off? And it's apparently not even really illegal anyway, because Jay Moore's got two wives. So he liked her so much she cloned her. So it's not like a big, oh, I can't believe this has happened. But I guess it was done against his knowledge. But for what purpose? Who cloned him? Who's the guy who decided to clone Pluto? Oh, that was was Alex Baldwin. Yeah, but but, oh, okay. but 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 why does it matter that it's a clone? It, it could have been anybody. It could have been Jay Moore. It could have been one of Jay Moore's wives. Oh oh, it's actually that's no. It's just so that's uh, even a better question because Alec Baldwin was a criminal on Earth, so he clones a criminal from the moon that he's never met. No, they explain it. They explain yeah. it. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Jay Moore says the whole reason he did it was he wanted a puppet. Yeah uh, yeah, but what's that dude's name? He, that's like his one big scene in the movie. James Redmore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's his, uh, it we didn't have stupid... Florence Nightingale over here on defense. Larry, it was one shot. He's Dr. Larry from Meet the, Meet the Parents. Belcher. Belcher. That was his name. Belcher. Yeah, explains it. He went, So basically, you could surmise that Alec Baldwin's character, whatever his initials were, MSM, WZW, whatever. Yeah, MZM. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't get to the moon, so he he needed to have an agent on the moon. He needed to have a, uh avatar, you know, for his criminal empire on the moon. So he that's why he had to have a clone. So he had to have a face for his lunar operation. So they went with the clone because they went somewhere they can control. I get, But it's so quickly explained away, and it's like, that seems like a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that that because, doesn't seem matters in the movie I've been watching. Why wouldn't he just have Belcher be the head of his moon criminal enterprise? Or just ask Pluto Nash to do it. Or Joey Who, Pants. Or uh, Luis Guzman has no scruples whatsoever. He would gladly do it. Yeah. And probably in, in, in more dramatic fashion. So, yeah, for me, though. If that, not racist. That, to me, is where... Like this movie has gone way off the rails. At this yeah, point. no, it, it but, yeah, it, it it was like it was like a big reveal that had like no build up. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm like, okay, uh, all right, fine. I I just for the sake of disagreeing or offering a different uh, scene, I have a couple. One when they're at Pluto Nash's secret moon stash of things, which are never explained why any of this stuff is illegal. I guess the Chihuahuas thing is. Sort of plausible, but still, why are Chihuahuas illegal? I don't know. And that's like even a joke they're trying to make. Like, oh, Chihuahuas would be $5,000 on the moon because everyone knows Chihuahuas suck. Uh, and it's just not yes. funny. It's not funny. But that whole scene with the with the sex maid, it's just like, why is this happening? And she just keeps dropping the, the feather duster. Fuck you, Mr. Wizard. <laughs> Fuck you. Like... That is That is my worst scene in the movie as well and that because the, the, the whole french maid gag it's awful the yeah. joke's dumb but then what makes it worse is pluto nash eddie murphy's like dialogue explaining oh i guess i left that in their program why, why do you have why do you have the robot just bending over i just it, it was off-putting yeah i i and it it gives like negative and, negative and the, the joke doesn't happen to the movie once she keeps doing it for like this scene lasts like 10 minutes and you just keep hearing her going oops oops and it's like stop 
Stop it's like the, now. it's like the least funny thing I've ever seen. Dear listeners, this film might actually be the ring where we need to convince you to watch this. No, don't watch this week or this movie will kill the three of no, us. Watch cats instead. I, I said, don't watch cats. No, watch cats. Don't watch Pluto Nash. Watch, oh watch, watch cats, watch cats. Okay. Um, I you mean, how bad this thing is. Let me say this. The humor is so bad in this movie. The jokes are so terrible. They are so bad that not even Carlos Mencia would steal them. Like, I'm not even sure you can call them jokes that, like, at no point in this movie did I recognize something that either I thought was funny or that the movie thought I thought should be funny, right? Yeah. Like, usually when there, like, there's a joke line, you can, like, the movie somewhat acknowledges it. I, I did not, nope, not here. I remember way back when I did, we did, uh, the irate lover and I did last action hero and the, and the word on that was the test screenings were so, 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 so bad. And last action hero is like legitimately a fun movie to watch and has a lot of yeah. redeeming qualities. It, I it, could not, it's a popcorn movie. That I could is a not legit popcorn imagine movie. what the audiences were thinking when they watched this. No, I, I just, I, mean, I can't. Existential despair. Not That's even in my wildest imagination. It's never funny. It's got one of the funniest people on the planet, and not one second of it is funny. You know what? Let's 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 take this into a break. And um, I do have a comment on what you just brought up there, Mister Wizard. I think it's important to remember that Eddie Murphy was a really funny guy. Yes. Not if you watch this movie. <laughs> just not in Pluto Nash. All right, folks. Catch you on the flip side. Welcome back, loyal pod listeners. You've joined us just in time to catch Pluto Nash's Moon Beach Trivia Challenge. So what I've got here, folks, is uh, uh, five questions and a bonus question. Uh, multiple choice, and uh, the winner gets a free drink at Pluto's Club. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Captain Cash, Mr. Wizard, yeah. are you guys ready to play? Can I opt to kill myself instead? Uh, no. Damn. Listen, Pluto's and club is not the problem. It's everything else. It's, it's Pluto himself. It's a hopping good time at Pluto's club. Yeah, people seem to have a lot of fun there. Joanna um, Mann works there, aka yeah. DJ. DJ, <laughs> yeah. Street Fighter. Uh, Randy Quaid, the robot, is now the manager. So when he's busy not posting weird YouTube videos about the cabal of Hollywood child smugglers. He's uh, tending aren't they bar. the star fuckers? Aren't you yeah. worried about the star fuckers? Yeah. All right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't have a clever catchphrase for you guys to, uh, uh, to to give us here to chime in. So just chime in with whatever you feel like saying, because this movie makes me not care about things. So just whatever. I don't care. But, yeah, again, multi, multiple choice format here, folks. And these are vaguely Pluto Nash related questions. Um, <clears throat> number one, which actor demanded his name be removed from this film's credits? Life is meaningless and we're all going to die. I don't even need the multiple choice. Yes. Alec Baldwin. That is correct. Yeah, he's not on the list. Baldwin wanted no part of this disaster. And I personally think he should have gone a step further and just had himself build as Billy. 
Because <laughs> that would have been funnier. Okay. Wait a minute. That's, that's not fair. Billy is semi-competent. Steven or Daniel. Steven. Daniel. Oof. Daniel. The one that no one can remember. Yeah. All right. Um, number two. That's one point for Captain Cash. Number two. Rosario Dawson was not the first choice for the role of Dina Lake. Which of the following actresses was considered first? More than one may be correct. Was it A, Rosie Perez? B, Halle Berry? C, Joey Lauren Adams? Or D, Jennifer Lopez? Do you think God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created here on earth? Yes. That's my chime in. Uh, it's going to be Halle Berry and Jennifer Lopez. That is correct. That was my Thank guess. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That was the only, um, I think, I think reasonable guess. And Halle Berry considered the role, but she had to drop out uh, due to scheduling conflicts uh, related to her wedding to Eric Benet. I was so hoping you were going to say related to her training for Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> Which was 2004, right? So that means, I guess that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a bit later. But. This movie was delayed, but not that delayed. Okay, so that's two points for Captain Cash. Thunderous Wizard, you are in the hole, brother. All right, number three. The release date for The Adventures of Pluto Nash was pushed back even more to avoid a conflict with another Eddie Murphy bomb. Which movie was it? Was it A, Nutty Professor? B, I Spy? C, Showtime or D Daddy Daycare Blue Moon Thunderous Wizard what's your answer I'm gonna go with Showtime but it's either that or one of the other ones but I know which two it is not because they're not ding ding, ding 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 you are a winner sir it's yes it was Showtime yeah. which was apparently a cop buddy movie with Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro that De Niro, parodied cops De Niro was a cop Eddie Murphy was an actor and they created a show called Showtime where they would film uh, their escapades but Daddy Daycare and the Nutty Professor were hits so yeah uh, yeah, I knew it wasn't one of those two, but I Spy with Owen Wilson, also pretty bad movie. I yeah. don't think was a hit. Yeah, um, Showtime grossed just seventy-seven point seven million on a budget of eighty-five. Well, that's so, not. It's yeah. still not that bad. It, it, it didn't lose as much money as yeah. Pluto Nash, but it didn't make its money back either. Yeah, and, and it sounds horrible. Um, it's not. Yeah, but apparently, apparently, they were worried about oversaturating the market with bad eddie murphy movies so they've spaced those out okay yeah so that, you mean the time from 2000 to 2006 yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, for the record folks that's that's two points for captain cash one point for the thunderous wizard moving on to question number four what is eddie murphy's highest grossing film to date is it a shrek b beverly hills cop C, Mulan, or D, Shrek 2? Blue Moon. It's got to be, be Shrek 2. You, sir, are correct. Ah, well done. Yep. Shrek 2 grossed 
this is 2004's Shrek 2. So not that far, you know, two years after Pluto Nash. And then granted, this was not a star vehicle for Eddie Murphy, but that movie did gross $937 million. Wow. Yeah. And he was funny in that. Donkey is legitimately funny. Yeah, yep. he, he's good. At, and, and I didn't realize he was in Mulan. He's oh, yeah. the dragon. He's Turns the out he's shoe. the dragon. Yeah, yeah. I color me shocked. Okay. That was 100% him practicing his character voice of what would become Donkey. Yeah. Donkey. Uh, okay, so uh, that brings us to two to two, folks. It is all tied up. That's two yeah. points for had a Captain Cash. In a while. And two points for the Thunderous Wizard. Question number five. Frank Oz, Yoda himself, directed Murphy in a moderately successful 90s movie. Was it A, Meet Dave, B, Dr. Doolittle, C, Metro, or D, Bowfinger? Embrace the void and I have the courage to exist. Yeah, I know what it is. Okay, Captain Cash, this is yours. What's your answer? Doolittle. You are wrong, sir. Damn! I thought Thunderous the, the, Wizard. The would you like to steal? I, I, I believe it's Bowfinger. You are correct. Really? Wow. That technically gives you the win, Thunderous Wizard. But I what just in comeback. case, just in case there was need for a tiebreaker, I do have a bonus question. So just for pride here, gentlemen, because Thunderous Wizard, round of applause. Congratulations, Congratulations you've won tonight's drink. At Pluto's Club. Um, I know so I much about bad Eddie Murphy really movies. Win? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Bowfinger uh, made $98.6 million on a budget of 55 Wow. But I, I saw it in theaters. I personally get that movie confused with Bullworth. That's the Warren Beatty movie. Where he becomes a rapper. <laughs> Right, where it's like, yeah. He's a rapping comic. I, I, I thought those were the same movie, actually. I get them confused because that's got Warren Beatty and and, uh, and 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 rappers, and the other one's got Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. Anyway, also so. Also, a true story. I had the Bullworth soundtrack. What up? Yeah, which, okay, so that leads me to my bonus question. And I think I think I think you've got this one in the bag, Thunderous Wizard. Uh, Bowfinger and Bullworth both had R&B slash hip hop soundtracks, but only one featured a song with the old Dirty Bastard. Which movie was it? Oh, I think it's Bullworth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bullworth soundtrack featured "Ghetto Superstar" by yeah. Proz, ODB, and Maya. And folks, that is a banger. That song slaps to this day. I'm telling oh, you, ODB. "Ghetto Superstar." Big baby Jesus, you come back one day, buddy. And Dirt Holly Berry is in Bullworth, so it all comes full circle. It all comes full circle. Yeah, she is in Bullworth, yeah. All right, well, I, guess I appreciate that, but Thunderous Wizard, you are tonight's winner. Please come to the front table here and collect your free drink ticket. And, uh, yeah, so a club anyway. on the moon in 67 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the end scene of Pluto Nash, when it's like the big happy ending, the the lip syncing that they require Rosario Dawson to do is just so beyond bad with the song she's singing. It's like it's the icing on the big old shit fudge cake that is Pluto Nash. Yeah, I think that's really important to point out that her whole character is based on her being a singer. And the one time they have her sing, it's not her. It's not her. Which is weird because you know Rosario Dawson can sing. 
Yes. I, I think. Yeah. But no, see, no, that's an excellent point, Thunderous Wizard. They hired Rosario Dawson for this role, and her whole shtick is to be a singer. And then when she gets to sing at the end of the movie, it's not her. She can't sing. Yeah, they don't yeah. give her or, a chance to I, sing. I don't think she can't sing. I, yeah. They just don't let her. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean. Okay, so Weird this choice. brings me to my open-ended questions for this movie, because this movie really makes me stop caring about life. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, is there anything redeemable about this movie? No. I, no, I say no. The Hillary yeah, Bucks, for sure. Those are good as I gold. Listened. I, I, you know, the, the 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 worst part about the Hillary Bucks joke, I think that was meant to be like, that'll never happen. What's worth more on the open market right now, the Hillary Bucks from this movie or the Bison dollars from Street Fighter? Okay, so here's the thing. I've actually looked into this. The Bison dollars are actually worth close to five British pounds to buy the props. Like Bison was right. You actually have to pay like. 10 bucks a bison buck like it's yeah well they are, they are they, the bison bucks the props bison. are actually worth five british pounds now it's it's yeah those props are worth money well it's, if we ever do street fighter i am sick. i am buying a lot of bison dollars no, dude 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 you've got I, I think you need to as a sense of responsibility and duty to the pod acquires from hillary bucks uh, Street Fighter, by the way, made a lot of money, so that's why I've never done it on the pod. There is no worse time to watch this movie than in the midst of a quarantine, <laughs> where you're kind of already at not a great place just by living. This movie, don't watch this movie. It will push one or two of you listeners yeah. to the edge, and I don't need that blood on my hands. So here's the second, the second question I had. Could anything have been done to save this movie? Apparently I, not. <laughs> they I, threw an additional $60 million at it. You, you know what needed to happen in this movie? You needed uh, Vin Diesel's bloodshot to teleport back in time or forward in time and just murder everybody in the club scene, you know, in the prologue of the movie with uh, uh, Jay Moore and, and Eddie Murphy and, and, and uh, you know, the gangsters and just would have killed them right there. And is that the movie uh, never happens? Is that the that deleted? Better. Is that the deleted scene from Deadpool the, Two? He goes back, that, kills baby Hitler, flashes forward, kills Pluto Nash. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That'd have been funny. And I got a funny feeling Eddie Murphy would actually, you know, buy into that. He would co-sign on that. Th- this is Eddie. Wait, hold up! I just came with a, a profound uh, statement here. This is Eddie Murphy's Green Lantern. This is worse than that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the worst film. And Green Lantern sucks, don't get me wrong, but not as hard as this. But for Eddie Murphy, this is his Green Lantern. Yeah, no, this it's, is this is. I think that's his personal Green Lantern. Of his whole career. We could, if he could undo any movie, it might this. be this, but he's been in a lot of bad movies. Like, yeah. I'm an Eddie Murphy apologist. I stuck with him for a long time through, like, just crap after crap after crap. And I think Norbit is when I jumped off. And okay, Norbit so, is pretty close to his Green Lantern as well because he also that plays made multiple money. roles in that movie. But that made money. But he's done that in tons of his movies. That's kind yeah. of his thing. So here, so hear me out, though. I'm, I'm a quick aside here for a moment, folks. One of the things that shocked me most about having children um, and, and consuming media and not really framing the conversation all that well sometimes is that my middle kid – he thinks that Ice Cube is the guy from the Are We There Yet movies. 
right? He doesn't know who Ice Cube is. He thinks he's that guy. Well, it's bad. He's to never, happen, yeah, yeah. He's never seen Friday. He doesn't know who NWA is. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't know fuck the police. I'm like, he thinks that guy's like a dad, and I'm like, okay. That's a choice Ice Cube made. It's all right, full so, circle, man. I mean, now his son is playing him in movies. So, but so my point is though. So my kids also Eddie Murphy to them is Doolittle. He's the Nutty Professor. He's Donkey. I mean, to you and I, we still remember as as children of the '80s. We remember Eddie Murphy Raw. Yeah. Like, hilarious, yeah. Yeah, Eddie Murphy used to SNL. be—he he used to be a hard R stand-up comedian. Yeah, very hard. Like, yeah, very hard R, very nasty. And 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 to us, trading places, uh, coming to America, those those were toned down. Eddie Murphy roles, yeah, and and Beverly Hills Cop and Forty Eight Hours, like that was him. Like that was mainstream. Then he took it to a yeah. whole other level. And so there are people that are seeing Pluto Nash. They don't. They don't equate because that's two thousand and two. They don't realize that's the guy from Raw, man. Yeah. Like he actually used to be really fucking funny. Gumby. Gumby has been shot. Like he was on SNL. Like he was one of the. He was one of the 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 guys on SNL with Chevy Chase and uh, uh, Belushi and yeah. Ackroyd and Steve Martin. Like, yeah. Now, great. It's the money thing. He he made a buttload of money. He he just went the cash and checks route, not knocking him for that one bit. But I think it's it's kind of sad that people don't know his good stuff. I, I think to your point, Mister Wizard, and I mean I knew Captain Cash. Like, his catalog's got bloated on the back end. He's yeah. put out a bunch yeah. of shit. But if you go back to when he started, there was some really good stuff. He like and. I don't hold it against him. Forty eight like, hours are the mighty fallen. Yeah, no, it's not even that. It's like fuck it. He's like, I'm, I, I, I like money. Okay. I also like you. money. Yeah, I'm not judging him. I'm just saying, it's just sad that people don't realize, you know, what he used to be. He's he's a comedic genius, and he was. His run of the '80s is almost unparalleled. It's that good of a run. It, it really is for a comedic lead actor. He he crushed it in the eighties, and you know that it's hard to perpetuate that kind of insane success. To his defense, like a lot of guys, he fared better than uh, Belushi. He fared better. Well, Belushi died, so that's yeah, my point. That's, Belushi was like that, a, that, a hurricane tore the force that. Yeah, that, well, that's my I point. Though. He fared better. He did. He didn't fall into those traps. Um, he he did better than chase. Um, he lasted longer than, than Aykroyd. He, I think Steve Martin's probably the closest to hang with him into the, the nineties and two thousands. Steve Martin's but, just out here playing banjo anymore. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, even Steve Martin was kind of, he, he wasn't as prolific. I'm just saying like, I, I'm not gonna knock the guy at that generation of comedians. He definitely stretched it out longer than most of his contemporaries. That's all Fair. I'm saying. And, you, know, you, you either die the hero, you live long enough to become the villain, kind of thing. And and there is no greater villain than Pluto Nash. <laughs> and, and he and he sleeps soundly on the pile of money that I'm sure he got paid to be yeah. his turd. That's fair. But yeah, so those are my final thoughts. Okay, so hey, let's uh, let's take a break here, folks, because I think it's only the second time we're taking a break tonight. 
and we'll come back. I've got some recommendations. And I'm hoping that the Thunderous Wizard will give us some sort of hint as what we're going to talk about next pod. Catch you guys on the flip side. All right. Hey, welcome back, loyal pod listeners. It's time for our recommendations. <sighs> You've got your illustrious host, Chumpzilla, here with my fellow co-hosts, Captain Cash and Hiya. the Thunderous Wizard. Hello. Thunderous Wizard, what have you got for us tonight? What, what can you recommend? Uh, a couple of things. I have Eddie Murphy centric because, as I said, I, I loved Eddie Murphy. And I still love Eddie Murphy and uh, his movies. That's the great thing about movies. Like, they don't go away. If you love a movie somebody did, you're always going to love that movie. Unless it's I Pluto Nash. I bet they Nash. wish this movie had gone away. And uh, you thought it was good. And uh, now you have some serious self-reckoning to do. So first, Coming to America, which is one of my favorite 80s Eddie Murphy movies. And to Chumpsill's point, yes, he plays a lot of characters in Coming to America. It is hilarious. It is about two guys from a fictional African country that come to find a wife in Queens, New York, because he is unsatisfied with the women being offered up to him in his home country. Hold up. Also, Samuel L. Jackson's first yes. major film debut. Uh, it actually is the origin of Nick Fury as Samuel L. Jackson is a man who tries to rob McDowell's, which is the bootleg McDonald's. And they set him straight, and of course he became a secret agent, super spy. So that checks out. Also, he appears not to have aged at all in forty years. Yeah, James Earl Jones is in it. Uh, John Amos, Eric Lasalle, Arsenio Hall, Arsenio yeah. Hall, who also plays multiple roles. It's it's awesome. I love that movie so much. Watch, don't catch it on TV because it is still played in syndication. You have to watch the R-rated. Yeah, version of the film. That's the only way to watch it. My Not as funny edited. No. My second recommendation would be Dolomite is my name. It's free on Netflix. It just came out last year. Eddie Murphy plays Dolomite, who is a black exploitation uh, character that this guy created. Uh, he was essentially like a low rent shaft, ladies man, uh, you know, Mister Do It All, uh, and he went on to be in a series of films. It's a very good movie, uh, and it. It goes to show you, right? Like, yes, he's done a lot of bad movies along the way. A lot of people, some actors have that, you know, rut in their career. Eddie Murphy's still bringing it after all these years. It's a great movie. It's free on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Fair enough. My Very good, Thunderous Wizard. Uh, yeah, so that brings us to you, Captain Cash. What you got for us? So I did this last week, but I'm going to do it again because I absolutely love this show, The Last Kingdom on Netflix. That's a cop out. Uh, it is. I don't care. I I love this show, and this season Ooh, was really good. You're never invited to Club Pluto Nash Moon Beach place, and you're never gonna sit at the head of the table with me, Bruno, Babette, Joey Pants, who's now our friend because he got shot, but he's okay. <laughs> Turns out he didn't die. Hey, 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 Joey, Joey, man. You know, putting the good vibes out. Get better. We're gonna see. Please you again. don't throw me in the briar patch. You're gonna be publicly shamed. In Trump, uh, Trump condos in the middle of the moon. Yeah. Oh no! So, uh, but no, The Last Kingdom is a great show, and everybody should watch it. That's all. Okay. Well, so folks, now this brings us to my favorite segment of the pod: life pro tips with Chumpzilla. 
I had to give this life lesson to one of my children today. Um, let me take a quick poll here, an informal poll of um, our, our co-hosts. Captain Cash, when you prepare a grilled cheese sandwich for your children, what spread do you use on the bread for the toasting side? Uh, at the risk of sounding like a complete monster, I don't grilled cheese is bullshit. Okay. Don't care for it. Never you have. are, in fact, a complete monster. Okay, so your invitation to Moon Beach is definitely off the table. Yeah, okay. You I'm, are I, the worst. First off, I'm reporting you to the FBI right now because I'm pretty sure you're a terrorist. Um, Mr. Wizard, what is your grilled cheese spread of choice? Well, uh, I usually use uh, butter of some kind. Okay. Vegan butter so, now because... Oh, sure, because you're weird. I'm very, uh, so, I'm very um, conscious of these things. So this brings me to my, my excellent point here because all three of us used to work for the same establishment in college. Uh, I, I believe, was the only one that cooked. Yes, I was only ever a bartender and bouncer. They didn't yeah, let I'd... me do much of anything aside from ID people, mop, carry buckets of ice, and then occasionally and, and, throw someone out. <laughs> and stock the beer. A lot, yeah. a lot of the... So I, I did all three jobs. I cooked in the summers. And what I learned as a fry cook is that, yes, butter is what I was brought up to believe to be the proper spread for grilled cheese. And it works. I'm not saying it doesn't work. But it is the inferior spread. Mayonnaise works so much better. It's lighter. It's easier to spread. I also hate mayo. It, but, but the thing is, it takes so little. You don't need much mayo. It's just a tiny bit, and it browns up the bread so much better. It's, it's, an even, it's more even. You get a better color, and you don't taste the difference. There's like, the, the butter's got more fat. May, mayo is a lighter alternative. Like Butter is heavy. Mayo is light. It takes a, a, just a small layer of it, and it cooks up so much better. The grilled cheese looks better. Here's the thing, though. Here's the pro tip. You got to add a dash of salt because nine times out of 10, you're using salted butter to make your grilled cheese. So what you're really getting out of that butter is the salt. You cannot tell the difference. Just a thin layer of mayo in your grilled cheese sandwiches will be lighter and better. I'm telling you. You're, there has it, never been a more Pluto Nash move than a movie podcast segueing into a cooking podcast yeah. just at the very end with absolutely no warning. Centering <laughs> on mayonnaise. I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, guys, it's, it'll change your life. Try it. Mayo. Just mayo instead of butter. And you don't have to use that much. It's not fattening because mayo is just eggs and oil. Come on. Uh-huh. Anyway. It's not fattening at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, but okay. So, and the the other thing too is I do have to make a confession. Okay, uh, one of the previous pods, I think I sang the praises of the 1990s, the late 90s animated Spawn from series HBO. on HBO. Yeah, yeah, it's it's free on Amazon Prime right now, and uh, it's quarantine, and uh, I've got a lot of time to kill. I watched the first two seasons of that again. Oh no! It's it fucking horrible. It doesn't hold up. It's terrible. Boy, we Holy all saying the praises of it, so. it, it. It's not Pluto Nash bad. Don't get me wrong, but pod listeners, I'm sorry. Do not bother checking that out. It is fucking just dreck. It's terrible. I, I love Keith David. I love Keith David, but the rest of it's shitty. Goliath fact, is great. Fun, Watch Gargoyles. That still holds up. 
fun fact, fun fact. Uh, Ronnie Cox does the voices of the uh, the corrupt politician and Billy Kincaid, his bastard child murdering son. Ronnie Cox, Robocop, Ronnie Cox. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah. So funny story that you mentioned Spawn. I know we talked about the movie, how he was basically going to fund it himself and I guess recently yeah. he did an interview Tom about Tom is going to fund also, the new the new the new Spawn movie that's not that's in, never in production happen. yet. He also never has an hour and a half of animated Spawn ready to roll. There's just no animation yet. Also, he's waiting huh? on a on a silent partner to help uh, finance Spawn, I guess. So Jesus. I don't think we're getting Spawn. Just put it that no, way. Pro- probably not. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, so yeah, good times. Hey, next so fun, up, hey, hey, fun fact. Here's another fun fact. I can't think of her name, but the voice actress that does the voice of the baby Cyan in that series mm-hmm. is also Lil and Dill from Rugrats. <laughs> Look it up, folks. That's Karen fact. Strong? All right. Oh, next and up. and and she was the uh, the female bunny rabbit from uh, Space Jam. Lola, Lola Bunny. Lola Lola bunny? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's Lil and Dill and the baby from Spawn. Yeah. There you go, guys. And Lola Rabbit. The oddest subplot to Space Jam: uh, Bugs Bunny falling in love with that bunny, and somehow that trumping uh, Newman and Bill Murray getting sucked into the Tune World. If the internet historians are correct, that is the uh, the moment Rule Thirty Four was spawned. I mean, it's got to be close. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. definitely... That, that that film is responsible for as many, if not more, furries than the the Disney Robin Hood Fox film. All right, I'm going to end the pod before it gets any weirder. Come back next week for the Val Kilmer Michael Douglas vehicle, The Ghost in the Darkness. <laughs> <laughs>